and welcome to Adventures in North Wales from Go North Wales. I'm Megan Llyn and in this series we'll be exploring North Wales with its world-leading outdoor adventure activities, brilliant beaches, thrilling mountain scenery and fascinating ancient culture and heritage. In this episode I'll be travelling the western part of North Wales to bring you a taste of what the area has to offer. I'll be heading 500 feet below ground and to the oldest surviving railway company in the world. But today, let's start at an absolute jewel in the North Wales crown. I can't really believe what I'm seeing. It's like I'm on the Italian Riviera with incredible architecture and it's right here in North Wales. I'm of course at Port Merion village, just by Port Madog and Tre Madog. There are so many multicolored towers and domes, and I can see the town hall here, and it's honestly breathtaking. You really have to be here yourself to really appreciate how magical this place is. I'm here with Merrick Jones, the location manager. Hello, Merrick. Hello. The big question I want to ask is, why is there what looks like an Italian village in the middle of North Wales? Ah, well, it was uh, the brainchild of one person, the architect Sir Clough Williams Ellis, who had a burning ambition as a 23-year-old to build a village to show off his architecture. He waited 20 years to find the right site to do it and came across this site in 1925. There was only a small um, little estate here, four, four buildings. Uh, but what sold it to Clough was all the cliff edges and the amphitheatre ravine in the middle, the wonderful views over the Dwyrid Estuary, and of course the the Gwyll, the peninsula, the 70 acres there. So he um, went to see the Midland Bank and he borrowed £5,000 to buy it and then spent 50 years building the place. £5,000? So what can visitors expect when they come to Port Marion then? So it's um, an attraction foremost, so uh, we welcome 220,000 day visitors here and you'll come in and you'll see some incredible architecture, um, but you'll see um, what a genius the Clough was because he, he wanted to show that you could work with nature to create something quite special, so he's he's highlighted the topography of the site, so you can see the wonderful cliff edges he's built right on the edge of, the, he's framed the stonework underneath Gatehouse and underneath Bridge House, to highlight the beauty of nature. But he also wanted to show you could have fun with it. So there's tricks on all the buildings. So there's fake windows, there's tiered painting to make them look old and damp. He, he decided to build them to look uneven and to look old. But also, um, Clough's description for the place was two things. Um, his home for fallen buildings, so there are buildings taken down or rebuilt here, uh, but also his architectural mongrel, because uh, it's it's um, the architecture's not Italian, so he borrowed from every range of architecture he could but he had to join them together somehow so that's why he joined them with the Italianate colours that he was so inspired by uh, in Portofino. I was going to say the colours here are stunning. I mean we're sat next to a blue and a pink building just here but that's just the tip of the iceberg of the colours that you can find here. It is, yes. There's over 70 different shades and colours here. <laughs> 70 different shades? And we've got the same painter who's been here for 43 years and painted everything at least 17 times so he's a maestro. Wow, so Pot Meiran is really giving Balmori its run. Oh, I hope so. I hope so, yeah. (laughs) 
you can actually stay here in the village as well? Yes, you can. So we've also got um, 58 hotel rooms and 13 self-catering cottages. And there's 14 in the main building down by the... The main hotel is down by the estuary. Um, but my favourites are the 33 village rooms, which we're sort of sat around here now because you've got this high view up over, over the estuary. They're all totally unique. Um, but then you've got 11 big modern rooms in Castell Right. But I think people expect quirky when they come here. And the hotel rooms are quite quirky as well, the ones in the village and in the hotel. And it, I know people who come here three or four times a year and their thing is to stay in a different room every time and I think that's a lovely because you build up this friendship then with everybody that comes here Yes, yeah and each time every visit is a different experience Oh it is, it, absolutely you know it's, it, it's, we were very very lucky with where we are here in Wales it's, you know there's, there's a lot to see in North Wales and I think we're lucky that maybe we're one of the ten places that you'd think about coming to visit if you're coming here and of course people maybe come as a day visitor first but then they'll maybe come back and stay when they find out they can stay in these places so. I was last here I remember in uh, a Christmas fair you have a Christmas fair don't you and it's stunning because everyone's wrapped up the village looks so beautiful with like Christmas decorations everywhere. So you have events throughout the year as well. We do, yeah. So the the, the food and craft phase on the first weekend in December normally, and um, it's great. We have 125 stalls of, of food and craft here. Um, there's lots of mulled wine, of course, which is Perfect. very popular. And um, <laughs> uh, we also put a little bit of entertainment on. So I have uh, maybe a couple of choirs come in and sing for us. And uh, it's a lovely place to do something like that, you know, because it's a bit different here. Pomeranian's always attracted creative people, uh, and this started in 1941 when Noel Coward uh, came here and wrote the play *Bly Spirit* in Fountain Two. Wow! Even now, we still get um, authors saying, "I want to stay where Noel Coward stayed. I want to get some of the vibe he had." I don't know if there's any vibe left now, but it's a lovely room. But in the 60s, then of course, Brian Epstein had a cottage here, uh, which is just over there, uh, which is Gatehouse. Uh, so he was bringing the Beatles and all the sort of movers and shakers of the 60s here. So uh, the 60s was an incredible time, um, and then of course. That led to um, Patrick McGowan came in to film The Danger Man here, which led to The Prisoner coming here, of course. Yes, of course. Talking of Prisoner, it's used a lot as a TV and film backdrop. Yes, it is. Yeah, well, it started, I think the first feature film was The Green Helmet in 1961 with Sid James and we were Italy in that, but they were driving around these, these sports cars around here incredibly quickly, uh, which is which we couldn't do nowadays, I guess. But um, but then, of course, Danger Man came here in 1959. We were Italy for Danger Man, uh, but Patrick McGoon remembered the place. And then when Danger Man was coming to an end in 1966, he was given a wad of cash by Lou Grade. Can you go and do something else? Because they were afraid of losing him to another channel. So he came here and saw Clough and said, I've got an idea as a follow series would you be interested in being the location and of course Clough said yes and of course 54 years on it still brings thousands of people here but it's been news for many other things um, Doctor Who filmed here in 1976 Wow! Head revisited um, a film with Liam Neeson called Under Suspicion was filmed in the 90s so yeah it's, it's, I think it's so different and um, you know the buildings are so colourful it's perfect to maybe make it a little fantasy land I guess yes well I'd love to be a prisoner right here in Pot on Village I've got to say I'd be very happy living here every day. Oh, lovely. <laughs> it's a totally different experience. If You can see us in a book or on, on a computer screen, but when you come here, it's a totally different thing. I've known people become a bit speechless when they come here because it is quite impressive the way we're looking down on the street from high up. Um, and to stand in the central piazza there with all this unusual architecture all around you is um, is quite an experience. And, and people don't necessarily know what to expect when they come here, but um, we also do tours so people maybe get the ideas why because I, I think it would be such a shame if people came here and they didn't understand why. Rather, it isn't just thrown together. It was always planned um, as propaganda for our architecture. That's what Cliff wanted. I feel like every building here 
has its own story and which is such a wonderful thing. When you walk through the gates, the views are stunning, the buildings are just breathtaking. It's a real experience, Potmeron Village, isn't it? Oh, it is. You know, there aren't many of these in the world and I think that the testament is the people who come here hopefully get it and enjoy it and hopefully come back and see us. Claire, thank you so much for having us. So you're the commercial manager at Fistinog Railway. That's right. So we're sat in a carriage, in a fairly modern carriage, but still very old school in the same sentence. Absolutely. I mean, this is actually only a year or two old, uh, although you wouldn't believe it, but it's been built in our own workshops at uh, our Boston Lodge Works here in near Porth Madog. We are a very old railway, but we realise that people now, they want comfort, they want double glazing. We run more months of the year, so we want it to be comfortable in October, November, as well as in July. So we've got double glazing, we've got more space now for people, really nice tables. You can see the map on the table. So these are being built specifically for use, really, for the modern era. And it's Festinjog Railway, so we're just sat here in Portsmatog. Is this the first station? This is our terminus station, yes, and normally we run up to Blyna Festinjog from here. Or you can catch our other railway, the Welsh Highland Railway, which goes from here up to Carnarvon. We've just touched on the fact that you can see the train map um, just on the table here, and it's so interesting to see. I think we're really keen on giving it sense of place. You know, we want people to feel part of it and to, to see where we go and the little stations and I think a lot of our customers they really like to know that they want to to know about where they're going and what they can see on the way yes and where are the places that you go on the journey on the Fistiniog railway we go up to Blyna Fistiniog so the railway was built for the slate mining so that's its history Uh, it was built in the early 1800s to bring slate from Blyna Fistiniog down to Puthmadog so that is that's its reason to be if you like Uh, and so now although we still have the old gravity trains that we can run it's obviously it's now for passengers and so we go through uh, Penryn, Dydrith and Minfor the little villages on the way Tanabalk in the middle of the woodlands and then on to Blyna Fistiniog. But then the Welsh Highland is very different. That was built much later than the Fistiniog. So it only really ran for a few years before it became unviable and has been closed for over 70 years before we started restoring it again. It's got bigger engines, slightly, slightly bigger carriages and we go through Bethgala and then we go across the slopes of Snowdon. So it's, it's much bigger bigger scenery if you like so it's a very different feel to it and I can imagine the scenery is just stunning if you're going through Snowdonia and Beth Gellert's. oh yeah at the moment we're running uh, some of our heritage trains for people slightly different because of the current situation but these are lovely in their own right and because we're marketing them as a heritage train people are really understanding it and uh, it, we've got separate compartments they're very old they're what the quarrymen and the Victorians would have used both for going to work in and actually for tourism there was tourism back in those times as well so they're much older and we've got a lot of first history here so we were the first people to have a what's called a bogey carriage so with the swivelly wheels at either end because in order to get a longer carriage 
to go around our tight curves, you had to have the swivelly wheels. So um, they're very old, the carriages that you can see. They're from the sort of mid-1800s. So, yeah, some of the little ones from the 1860s and then later on sort of 1870s and 1880s. So they've got a lot of heritage uh, and it's nice to be able to run these for people to compare the two differences, really. Yes, yeah, and you're the oldest surviving railway company in the world. We are. We were founded by an act of parliament. So even though we didn't run in the 1950s, they couldn't close it down because it would have taken an act of parliament to close it down. So it was able, it's the same company that's run all the way through, that's run the railway. And I've heard that a former Prime Minister has been on these carriages Absolutely, as well. yes. Uh, the carriage that's in the station now, carriage number 16, was used by David Lloyd George because he used to be a solicitor up in Blindefistiniog and, of course, he lived down at this end, so he used to catch the train to go up to work and he had a little desk that he could use. It really has a very historic and very old-school feel to it, doesn't it? We're very lucky. We've got a lot of our original infrastructure as well, the stations. I mean, this station's been here for an awful long time and, you know, I think that makes it very special. And you have the gift shop. We do. And we have our Spooners Cafe and Bar as well. So we've got local real ales here from the Purple Moose Brewery just up the road in Pathmadog. So we've, you know, we, we do a lot with local food and local suppliers here as well. So, so everything around the Festinjog Railway is very local and locality is very important to it. It is. There's a really big sense of Hiraith, which is the, uh, it's, it's very difficult to translate, isn't it? But it absolutely describes this. It's that feeling of, of sense of place and of being here and the history and things like that and I think that's what we we want to try and keep hold of whilst making things more modern and more comfortable for our passengers. Festinia Railway is one of my earliest memories. Am I right in thinking that you'd still do Christmas trips? We do. We do our Victorian Santa trains as well. Yeah, yeah. And I imagine that people come back and back every oh, year they because do. They it's do. such a cherished memory that they have. Yeah. So as well as the Christmas train, what other events do you have during the year? Well, we try to run a variety of events through the year. Some are our really enthusiast events, but then we run a lot that have a much wider appeal. We've got our Victorian weekend, which is normally in October. Uh, Everybody dresses up. People who are coming even just for the weekend on holiday, they come and they dress up too. We have stalls in the car park. We have people with harmoniums, all kinds of things. It really does have a fantastic atmosphere. And then we do completely different things like our beer festival, the Kurara Kledrai event, which is on the Welsh Highland Railway, and that's usually in May or June. And that's very much a locals event, lots of local beers. I've been to that one. Yeah, I thought you might have done lots of local bands. But then we get people coming from America every year to it. So, you know, there are it has a huge appeal. Nice to do something different, and I think for different audiences as well. So our next stop is Llechwedd. How long till this train departs? Oh, about 10 minutes. Oh, perfect. And actually, it's going to Blennifestinjog, so you can get on and uh, you're shortly in Tlecoed itself. Perfect. Thank Fantastic. you, Claire. OK, enjoy. You're listening to the Adventures in North Wales podcast from Go North Wales. I'm Megan Llin and we've just got to Llechwedd and I'm standing next to a diagonal train, if you can imagine the sort of thing. And I'm going to head down from the surface at the Llechwedd Slate Caverns. Waiting for me at the bottom is Bleddin. Let's go.
this is amazing. So we are 500 feet underground now in the deep slate cavern in Llechwedd. Blevin, tell us more about it. Shechwedd is a tourist attraction um, in Blen of Stinog, um, which has evolved over the years from being a mining um, and, and a quarry business. Um, and now um, we have numerous tourist attractions on site as well as the quarry itself still here. So there's plenty to do here. Plenty to do here, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so Blen, what's special about this train that's just brought us down here now? We're 500 feet underground. This is the steepest cableway train in the whole of Europe, which is um, a really great selling point for us. Yes, yeah. So tell us about Llechwedd. Why are these caverns here? Um, these were here um, coming from the 18, around 1834, 1836, when the founder, Mr. J.W. Graves, um, was travelling on his way to Canada. To, um, he was trying to build his fortune. And then he came across North Wales um, and the mines and the slates. And that's how it all started. Stumbled across North Wales. Stumbled across, yes. Yes. (laughs) So slate mining, uh, it was quite a big thing in North Wales, especially in this area back in the day, wasn't it? It was. It was massive. Um, Over the years, it's evolved and changed. But um, historically, as a mine, you know, it was looking up towards 3,000 people employed at its peak. Um, The way we operate and run um we go by levels um and we go up you know as far as level eight level nine on sites from underground as well so it's, it's yeah, really really big sites is that so like how deep you go it is yes yes so we are literally in a mine now these are all slates and so am i right in thinking that quarry men have been here decades ago yes they would have been a decade ago um as we still quarry now um to this day and age um so that the how it all started, it's still happening, it's still here now as well. The slate that is produced here, is that sold just in Wales or...? No, the, the slate here is shipped worldwide. Um, the Sydney Harbour House um, comes from Llechwedd slates, the slates on that roof there as well. So yeah, um, all over the world, which is amazing. That's quite a feather in your cap then, isn't it? It must have been quite dangerous working down here. Yeah, it was, and the, the, the poor... Children and men who worked down there had really poor conditions. Um, a lot of the time we were working with just a candle, so there was no electricity back um, in them sort of times. Um, but yeah, we were working 12-hour days, um, up and down, um, no train to help them down like we have today. Um, so yeah, really long, hard shifts and not really nice conditions. Good. I mean, it's not too warm here. It's quite cold, actually, isn't it? It is. It's about six degrees, which is... And it's consistent. It stays around that temperature throughout the year as well. So in the summer, it's quite nice to get under. And then in the winter, it's probably nice to get under as well. So it's a bit warmer maybe in this winter. Yeah. So this deep mine is just one of the attractions. What else can visitors experience when they come to Llechwedd? The deep mine is um, our probably our most famous and well-known attraction. Um, but over the years, we've built and evolved. Um, now people can come stay our safari tents and the glamping sites. We've got a hotel that's opened. Uh, we could do our Cloy Explorer tours which takes them all over the 2000 acre sites um, and we do walking tours as well around the area which is great wow how many people would you expect in a day here um in a day we would roughly be expecting depending on the time of year anything between 800 up to about 3,000 people wow so it gets quite busy really busy yeah yeah the adventure and everything that you have to offer has just grown massively there's so many things you could literally spend the whole day here because you've got restaurants and cafes as well you could yeah you could, you could literally spend the whole day here and numerous families do um they tend to book in for one thing in the morning lunch and then do another attraction in the afternoon 
um, people really do make a full day of it yeah wow and this area especially is known for uh, walkers and trekking they, there's numerous paths surrounding here there is yeah um, cyclists we get a lot of cyclists um, a lot of walkers hikers yeah a lot of different things and being quite close to places like Beto, Sukhoi and Bethgelis as well um, it's great that people come to us but also venture out to the places and not just stay in one close area And also Snowdonia is just on your doorstep as well. It is, yeah. And the glamping tents especially, um, because it really goes with the outdoor feel. We get a lot of the um, families that stay there do tend to come and stay for the weekend and Snowdon is is the first thing they do, to be honest. Yeah. And it's an award-winning attraction, Llechwedd, isn't it? It is, yes. Um, Last year, um, we won the Go North Wales Tourist Attraction of the Year, which is great. Um, A really good award for us. And extremely happy with it um it's, it's a real big well done to all the teams we have on site that we won that oh good well it should be celebrated because it really is a unique attraction here in north wales i reckon we should go back up to the surface just to see if everyone's still there because i'm a bit scared down here <laughs> hi you john hello hello we'd love to chat to you about this amazing inn of yours I would be pleased to speak to you <laughs> and Chrysler to the Black Boy. Tell us a bit about this stunning building. It's totally different to anywhere else you can find, I think. It, it reflects the history yeah. of Carnarvon particularly. They always say the castle first and the Black Boy is the second as a tourist attraction. And I actually uh, semi-retired here about 15 years ago, thinking I'd do it for six months and I'm still here. Um, it's it's a really interesting place. It's different every day here. And you generally meet people from all over the world here. I've seen one night where there was five groups of Canadians in a little lounge bar, and they didn't know each other when they came in, when they came in but they certainly did when they left. When they left. And that's what the industry's about, and that's the Welsh... Hoyle, I think, is the right word, maybe. Yes, yeah. the wrong word. You know what I mean by that. (laughs) Um, It is unique to the Welsh culture, where it is very welcoming. And the Black Boy reflects that very heavily, I think. You mentioned the castle. So, Black Boy is within the castle walls of Carnarvon. The town walls of Carnarvon, yes. Uh, A lot of people, Americans, come here and ask where the castle is and all they've got to do is turn around and look the other way. But um, it is quite unique. Carnarvon is unique, obviously. Um, It's a Welsh-speaking capital, I would say, of Wales. Um, The strength of the language here is much higher, in my view, than a lot of other areas. Um, I'm from the heartlands of Wales where you wouldn't hear English spoken when I was a child. And Carnarvon, you can go all day without hearing English spoken. Not at this time of the year, but certainly in the winter period. And how old is Black Boy? It goes back to 1522. That's very old. I read somewhere that it's the oldest surviving inn in North Wales. Now, John, is that true? Well, it's one of the oldest. One it's, of it's the oldest. It's generally like the Black Boy itself. It's full of stories. It's full of stories about ghosts. Behind you here on the wall, there's a, a picture, and it's got seven ghosts in it oh, yes. on the wall in the corner here. Yes. And it reflects the, dif- the seven different ghosts that are supposedly haunting the building. Seven different ghosts. So they tell me. I've never seen one. You've never seen one? I've never seen one. There's a lot of history in this pub, isn't there? Oh, yeah. If these walls could talk... I'm sure you'd find a lot of stories that keep you going for a long time. 
So what makes the Black Boy Inn so special? Is it the history and where it's located? I think it's a mixture of things. I don't think um, anybody really knows what it makes it work. Otherwise, you'd have every outlet in the UK would be trying to do the same thing. This one has been successful um, for a number of years prior to us taking over and hopefully it will continue to do so. It really does have this unique sense of personality just to the building and just to the decoration itself you know the, like the black beams and the, all the fireplaces so tell me what does the black boy have to offer to visitors have you got rooms what kind of ales we've got four buildings the black boy is not just the main inn um, the main inn has 16 rooms in it and then we have black jacks at the rear tour de and another one round the corner called the townhouse. And basically, they're like the Spanish um, idea where you have a central hub and then the rooms are in other buildings around it. And um, that, that's what the Black Boy is now, and it gives us about 47 rooms on suite rooms. And what kind of ales? Do you, do you have local ales? Yes, we do. We use Purple Moose from Bacelli, Curlhine, Wild Horse from Conway. There's a mixture of different ales and um, craft ales here. So Carnarvon itself is a busy town. What else does it have to offer other than Black Boy? Well, obviously you've mentioned the castle, first of all, which is extremely popular within this area. But you've also got the Snowdon Mountain Railway. You've got the Welsh Highland Railway. And we get a number of customers coming along from London into the main station in Bangor and then coming along through Blenifestinog to stay here for the evening. Ah, right, yeah. We were in Festinog Railway this morning and they mentioned Kuruara Kletrai. Yeah. That's an important event, isn't it? Is. It? it is, locally, and it, it's all about raising the profile of the area. Yeah. And uh, certainly the railway has certainly had a massive effect since they built the new station here. It has had a massive effect on the town. For Netflix fans, and especially the Crown fans, Carnarvon is a royal town, isn't it? And I believe some few familiar, famous faces have been seen here filming. Yeah, indeed they have, but um, it's always an experience here. You never know who you're going to meet when you're (laughs) coming in through the doors. But, of course, as we all do in hospitality, what we see during the serving times and opening times of the ends. We don't repeat, really. Yeah, you don't, you're not going to repeat any of no. Olivia Coleman's secrets, what she no. drinks or no. anything. No. <laughs> That's very good customer loyalty <laughs> there for you. So, John, I know Black Boy is renowned for its delicious food. What's on the menu tonight? Well, our biggest seller, believe it or not, is lamb shank. Ah. And that is very, very popular in lamb chops, but, of course, reflection of Wales, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but we do offer other things like haddock and chips, which, again, people say it's like a mini whale on the plates, but it is extremely popular here. A mini whale on your plate? <laughs> That's brilliant. Well, unfortunately, I've got one more place to go to, but maybe I'll be back tonight to have that lamb shank that you mentioned. We'll keep one back for you. Perfect. Thanks, John. This is Adventures in North Wales from Go North Wales. I'm Megan Llyn and you now find me at Greenwood Family Park. We've just driven about a quarter of an hour from Carnarvon alongside the Menai Straits to get here. 
Mark Thompson is the general manager here. Hi, Mark. Hello, how are you? Nice to see you here. Nice to see you. How are you? Very well. Good. Welcome to Greenwood. Good. Thank you. Well, tell us more about Greenwood Park. So what can visitors expect to see and do here then? What do you have to offer? OK, so, I mean, I like to sort of encapsulate the place as being a family experience, you know, in the true sense of the word. So, you know, we have a lot of people who visit from the local area. Um, but our main sort of visitors come from sort of 60 to 90 minutes driving time. Um, and what they get is everything from a sort of soft play area. So that sort of starts at ages sort of zero to three years old. And then we have a whole host of outdoor activities, um, including a, a solar splash, a roller coaster. We have something called the Great Green Run, which is like a sled shooting down a small hill. Um, so it's it's quite it's a it's an outdoor attraction primarily, and it's for all members and all age groups particularly. And uh, we really sort of pride ourselves on being able to sort of give a, a wide, friendly, warm Welsh welcome to the friendly people who want to visit families, families, families. Family is a very important yeah, thing here. It is, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a family of trees surrounding us. We're right yeah. in the middle of a forest here, aren't we? We are, yes. It's no coincidence. You know, when it was set up, um, the owners at the time were very keen to establish what was at the time only a very, very small experiment. Um, and the guy who set it up was very into trees. Yeah. And there's been a whole host of planting that's gone on right the way through its evolution. And, you know, we continue to do that. We plant hundreds and hundreds of trees every year. And one of the most exciting aspects of the park really is that you are nestled in this beautiful Welsh countryside. You've got Snowdonia, which is right above you. You know, we have a place uh, called the Snowdonia View where you can go and stand there and look at that beautiful view and see the vision of the park right across. So. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a very beautiful location as well as a great experience, we think. So you mentioned replanting. Is sustainability an important factor here? Yeah, it's at the heart of it, really, and even more so. Um, you know, so when the park was first started, that was very much the driving force. It became more and more commercially successful and it was almost victim of its own success really so it sort of built and built and built over many years and over the last two years we've installed our own power generation system wow. um, so we've got a 150 kilowatt solar array as it's called and the array not only powers the new ride our solar splash but it also provides it's about 80 percent of the park's annual power requirement so that's quite significant, really. Not only that, but we try to use um, as many local suppliers as possible. Uh, we recycle everything. And with the backdrop that we've got now, you know, obviously with the environment being the main priority, we really try to push that as much as the family experience itself. That's amazing to hear. Yeah. And kids of all ages are welcome here. Yeah, they are, yeah. And you'd be amazed, actually, because, you know, it has a reputation for being for quite young children. And I say sort of between, I'd say, five and ten years old. But actually, you know, we quite often get people who are, you know, again, family will get sort of young teenagers, will come with their parents and they'll absolutely love it. Yeah. You know, um, and, you know, quite a lot of adults go on our rides, particularly the coaster. Um, and it's just nice to have that outdoor experience, really, together with other people. Um, so, yeah, it's all ages. All different types of people can enjoy the park. 
I've got a childhood memory of coming here and going on one of the coasters because there's a coaster through the trees, isn't there? That's right. Yes. <gasps> yes. What's your favourite ride? Okay, my favourite ride. Okay, I'm going I'm to chuck a couple of things in here. Yeah. If that's okay. Go with for you. it. Okay, so my favourite ride as a person myself is actually um, it's the spider's web, and it's actually a huge rope climbing frame and that's because as a kid I was obsessed with climbing everything and anything and I just think it conjures so many different ways of playing but next year we're opening the giant whoa and yeah so it's a new sort of attraction and you'll hear more about it as the months unfold but I'm really excited about this it's it's a big investment from the company and the whole idea really is to try to look at some of the folk tales from Wales particular in particular the uh, Mabinogion which I hope I've said correctly yes you have Mabinogion uh, so the whole idea is we want to give people a more of a story more of a journey through the park and the whole idea of the giant is that it will embody some of those traditional folk Welsh tales about giants and dragons and sort of put it into an experience which is it's a climbing and moving around experience so there's lots of ropes lots of guidelines stuff like that um so we got that starting in april and obviously that is going to be my favorite ride because it's new and exciting yes. and i've got to talk about it wales is really lucky and rich with the tales and it's amazing that you're going to be intertwining both aspects of that yeah if it is raining, because North Wales does have, you know, one day every 365 days, you know, it might rain here. What do you have in store for the people that want to come when it's raining? People don't tend to visit North Wales if they're concerned about the weather too much, <laughs> if I'm honest. True, it's true. And over this last summer, as all summers in the UK, you know, we have had some wet days, but we've had high occupancies during that. We have a number of undercover areas, particularly our sort of food and beverage offers are um, undercover. We have a, a large cafe area with our soft plates all undercover. We have a wood barn, which is for young people, which is undercover. Um, and we have a, a sort of central area where people can sit out of the weather um, if it tends to get particularly rainly. But there's there's no point pretending that Greenwood isn't an outdoor attraction and I would say that 80% of it is that outdoor experience which we're really proud of. As the winter progresses, um, we obviously we're going to be doing Halloween, celebrating Halloween here and um, we're looking forward to that. And last year we had an offer called Enchanted Christmas. Wow. Um, and we're looking at uh, doing a similar type of offer this year. And that will be, some of it will be inside. But the whole idea of that is it uses the sort of darkness. Um, we have some beautiful lighting and really try to sort of get this dreamlike idea going in the park. And that's sort of half inside, half outside. And that'll be, we're looking at trying to put that together for uh, later in the year. Mark, thank you so much for welcoming us to Greenwood Family Park. It's been a pleasure. It's great to meet you. Thanks very much for taking the time to come and see me. That gives you a flavour of just some of the amazing things to see and do here in the west part of North Wales. There is so, so much more to explore too. Head to gonorthwales.co.uk to find out more. Remember to hit subscribe and rate the podcast too. From me, Mick and Lleen at Greenwood Family Park. Hopefully see you soon here in North Wales. Hwylfawr!